Hello, and welcome to the Pursuit City Church podcast. Our mission is to lead people to know the love of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will feel encouraged as well as challenged through the Word of God. If you need prayer or want to share your story, please send an email to info at PursuitCC.com. Get ready to enjoy this message. God bless. Our vision here at Pursuit City Church is to lead people to know the love of Jesus. Because one moment encountering the love of Jesus can change your life. One moment encountering the love of Jesus can completely wipe away years of guilt, shame, and condemnation. One moment in the presence of the love of Jesus can completely revolutionize who you are. So we are here. We exist to lead you to that moment, to lead you to the love of Jesus Christ. And my prayer this morning, as we preach, as we sing some more, as we give God our best this morning, my prayer is that you encounter the love of Jesus Christ. I hope you don't walk away this morning going, man, that was a good song, or man, that was a good message. I hope you walk away this morning going, man, I met Jesus this morning. Amen. That's why we're here. That's why we gathered. It's good to be back. We were gone, uh, and I will share probably in a couple weeks because Jasmine's preaching next week, guys. Y'all ain't ready for that. Jasmine's preaching. Y'all better get ready. Bring every teenager you can get your hands on and throw them in your car and get them here. Uh, she's our youth director. She's preaching next Sunday. It's going to be awesome, and uh, I'll be ready to go the week after that to t- continue our series on the pursuit. And then that day, I will share... Uh, the many things that we learned while we were gone uh, up in the conference. Me and my wife went to a pastor's conference last week in Fort Worth, and it was just more than we could have imagined. It was so, so different than anything we've ever been to. We've been to a lot of stuff. I've been in the church world a long time, been around some you know, big conferences, big names, learned a lot of cool things. But man, this was just so different and so needed. And I will tell you that it blessed us immensely therefore hopefully we can give that to you guys amen so i'll be sharing with uh with you guys about that when i preach again but i'm excited jasmine's preaching next week it's going to be awesome if you would like to follow along with today's message pull out your phone and text the word sermons to 94000 i forgot to get it to juliana put it on the screen but it's really simple if you just text the word sermons to the number 94000 you will get a link to follow along with all my notes. Before I get to it, let's pray and then we'll jump right in. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for the love that we experience as your children. We thank you that you love the world so much that you gave us your son. That is an act of true fatherly love. We thank you for that. Lord, we ask this morning that as we learn more of your word, as we experience you more, that we encounter you and only you. Let it not be my words, let it be yours. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. So before I get to the the heavy stuff, I like to tell some jokes. You all ready for some dad jokes this morning? We're talking about Father's Day. All right, here's a few dad jokes. I'm not going to do a lot because then it's just going to get silly. It's just going to get silly. 
You ready? High five your neighbor and say, you better get ready. Come on. High five your neighbor and say, you better get ready because y'all ain't ready. What do mermaids wash their fins with? Tide. Told you. There you go. They just got it. No, it's okay. What do you call a person who doesn't believe in Santa Claus? Agnostic. Ooh, that's a religious joke. <laughs> Some of y'all will enjoy this one. I hurt my foot driving the other day. You know who I called? The tow company. Amy hasn't laughed yet. I don't know. I, I, maybe I should keep going. Maybe I should keep going. She's looking at me like, this is just, what are you doing? <laughs> when does a sandwich cook? When it's bacon, lettuce, and tomato. That took a while to sit right there. That took a while to sit. That's how you know it was a good dad joke. It was like, oh. <laughs> That's that next level. <laughs> Had to break the ice a little bit because we're going to have some fun this morning and hopefully you're going to see some things a little different. As you noticed in the lobby, uh, all the nautical theme, the the water theme, right? Give it up for the ladies that decorated the, all that, right? Amanda, Maddie, they did a great job. We're, we're talking about um, we're talking about the different boat rides in the Bible. We're gonna get to, get to that in a second, but I want to spend just a quick moment on how men are wired. Okay, men are wired very, very differently than women. It, you know, we're not just different physically. We're not just different in our appearance. We are extremely different mentally, and we are extremely different emotionally. Um, now, sometimes you get a hybrid, you know, some of those unique individuals. But uh, for the most part, for the most part, men and women are wired a certain way. Okay? They really are. For instance... Most men are risk takers. Can I get an amen from some of the men? Okay, that was really weak, guys. Are y'all awake this morning? Are you a risk taker or not? Okay. They didn't know, like, oh, can I do that with my wife next to me? Yes, you can. Most men are risk takers. And I give you permission this morning to be a risk taker. Most men are problem solvers. Can I get an amen from the men? Here's what happens. The, the, the woman brings the man all her problems. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> she said, oh, no. And the woman, all she wants is to be heard. Can I get an amen from the woman? Okay, see, they're outdoing y'all, man. They are outdoing you guys. All, all the women want is to be heard. But the men, what do they do? Well, we, we can do this, and then we can do that, and we, can, we, we start going into problem-solving mode. We don't really care how you feel. 
We are going, no, 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 this is how you should do it. This is how you do it. And so that's just how we're wired. And then sometimes that can cause some issues. Come on, married couples. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Sometimes that can cause some issues, right? Because we're wired differently. Men are doers, right? We like to just do stuff. We don't really like to talk about it. We want to just go do it, right? Then there's some dudes that just talk about things that they like to do and never do it. Don't listen to those guys. Those aren't real men. The real men are the doers. They don't just talk about starting that business. They don't just talk about going on that hunting trip. They go and they do it. They make it happen. That's men. That's what we do. We are providers, right? We feel this overwhelming sense of responsibility to provide for the family, to provide for our wife and for our children. Sometimes that can get really convoluted and, you know, especially in our Hispanic culture, that machismo starts to rise up. No, I do it all. You don't do nothing. You cook, you know. That's wrong. That's wrong. But that exists because of how we're wired and we can take things too far. Some of the white guys in the house say, what are y'all talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> now, you don't know how we grew up, man. <laughs> the women stayed inside. <laughs> like, that's just how it was. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, okay. Another thing that men are, we're adventure seekers. Can I get a big hoorah from the men? Dude, y'all really need to wake up. Oh, my goodness. Is this thing on? Adventure seekers. Are we not adventure seekers? Man, I got, I got one dude with me. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Men are adventure seekers. Let me just tell you a little bit about some adventures of mine. <laughs> he said being a Cowboys fan. Yes, that is an adventure. I've been on that adventure since 1995. Thank you very much. We still got more Super Bowls than the Texans. Woo, shots fired. No. <laughs> the one we won. How about that? <laughs> so let me tell you a little bit about my adventures. Okay, I'll just tell you one because I could be up here all day. I have a lot of adventures. My wife thinks I'm crazy. When I was 13 years old, I think I've told this story before, but it really applies to today. When I was 13 years old, my parents and I went to this place called Montanillo, Mexico. Anybody ever been to Montanillo, Mexico? Nope, nobody? Yeah, <laughs> you better watch out over there. Montanillo, Mexico. It was a weird town. If you've ever been to Mexico, it's just got a different vibe altogether, right? Just a whole different vibe. Well, this was on the Pacific side, not the Gulf of Mexico side, the Pacific side. This is the same trip where I almost drowned with the jet ski. Remember that? Remember that story? Same trip, <laughs> same trip. This one was not so dangerous, just so you know. I didn't almost die on this story. Um, same trip, Montanillo, Mexico, Pacific side, extremely beautiful water, man. I'm just like, whoa, it was like as blue as this carpet, just beautiful, and you're out there. We went deep sea fishing. I had never been fishing before. Never even like thrown a rod out. My parents were not outdoor people. My dad didn't know how to swing a hammer. Happy Father's Day, Dad. Uh, didn't know how to swing a hammer. He knew how to tell people what to do, you know, but uh, he, he didn't know how to build anything, you know, do anything. He just wasn't an outside guy. So I'd never fished before. Shot plenty of guns, just, you know, didn't know anything about the water. Loved to swim. 
but they decide we want to go deep sea fishing. Anybody ever been deep sea fishing before? Okay, a few of you guys. It's the best. Oh my gosh, there is nothing like deep sea fishing. Somebody tried to get me to go fishing on a pier one day. I said, man, you dumb. What, what is this? You just stand there. What are we doing? Like, there's no action. Where's the boat? Like, no. I needed, like, the same experience because that experience was amazing. They, we left at, like, 4 in the morning. We traveled for almost an hour or two out into the deep ocean. I mean, we're out there. Now, here's the thing. I can handle water. I can get on a boat. Don't bother me one bit. Come to find out, my parents got seasick like that. <laughs> so they're like throwing up off the edge of the boat. <laughs> they're like just not having a good time. But they paid all this money for us to go deep sea fishing. And here we are in the middle of the ocean. And all these Mexican vatos, they start dropping these lines. And I'm talking reels as big as my face. I mean, it was just massive stuff. You know, and for those of you who've been on one of those trips before, you know when it's time to reel in a catch, they put you in this chair, they strap you down, and you got to hold on to this pole that's like this thick, and you start reeling. Well, guess what happened? My parents are up there throwing up, losing it, and I'm having the time of my life. I'm just enjoying it because all of a sudden, you start seeing those, those lines go. And they say, get in there. And, you know, I don't speak any Spanish. I know I'm brown, I'm a coconut. I don't speak any Spanish. So they're, like, telling me what to do, and I'm trying to understand. And they're like, get in there, sit down, hold on. They strap me in. And they say, start pulling and reeling. Pulling. They show me what to do. Next thing you know, there's big old sailfish. They look like marlins. It was a six-foot-long sailfish. Starts jumping and... And I'm like, what is that thing? And I don't know what it is because they can't tell me. I don't understand them. I'm just, I'm just going. I fight with this thing for 20, 25 minutes. It takes that long to get those things in. And when it got to the boat, some vato grabbed a bat and just started going, bah, bah, bah. And I was like, what are you doing? And then they explained to me that if they don't kill it, it will kill us. Because it's got a spear like three feet long. And I'm like, oh, you better hit it harder then. <laughs> hit it harder. Go ahead. And I mean, there's a bat like this big. And he's just boom, boom, boom. I'm like, dude, these dudes are in the mafia, man. What's going on? I don't know where they got this guy. They pull it on the boat, and I'm just blown away. I'm like, what is this thing? And they're trying to tell me, right? And I find out later, obviously. I caught two of those bad boys. Boom. And so the rest of my life, everybody says, hey, you want to go fishing? I'm like, nah, bro. <laughs> Not unless you got a 40-foot boat, a bunch of reels, and you're taking me to the Pacific. I don't want to go. Okay? Because that's not an adventure to me. The real adventure was what I experienced that day, and I'll never forget it. And I still can't find the pictures, but I was a young kid, and I got pictures standing next to these two Big old sailfish and a bunch of black tuna. We caught all kinds of stuff that day. And I remember they got to the dock and they're talking to my dad after he got done throwing up. And they, they tell him to tell me, do you want to mount it or do you want to eat it? 
What do you think I said? I'm a hunter. I want to eat that joker. So that night, they took a piece of that selfish and we had it for dinner. Now that is an adventure. We are adventure seekers. That day, I felt like I became a man. You know, I was like, yes, I conquered it. Two of them. And this dude beat it with a bat, but it's okay. It's okay. See, now I got Amy laughing. My job is done. So before I get to the next part, we're going to do something. We're going to bring a boat on stage. So gentlemen, if you want to go ahead and get that for me. Because I want to talk about all the different boat rides in the Bible. That was my boat story. But you know, there's about 10 boat stories in the Bible. There's about 10 examples. In fact, Jesus preached primarily from a boat. Did you know that? The boat was his pulpit. The boat was how he conveyed. You know why? Anybody know why? Because sound reflects off water. And so when he would speak... His voice would hit the water and bounce towards the people. You see, he preached strategically. Everything he did was extremely intentional. Everything he did was purposeful. And he preached from a boat because it was the primary way of making money in that area. And so he was basically conquering that sphere of influence. That's a real boat. That's what I'm saying. Now, the boat, I was on a little bigger than that, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Go Cowboys. (laughs) Thank you, gentlemen. Can you give these gentlemen a hand? That is perfect right there. Perfect. (laughs) So obviously, we know from children, we we were taught about Noah's Ark. We know that story. We know Noah's Ark. Big boat. I saw something this morning. I thought it was hilarious. They said, anytime you try to start something new and different, just remember that the Ark was built by amateurs and the Titanic was built by professionals. I was like, oh, that's a good point. That's a good point right there. How about the baby Moses? Did you know that his mom put him in a basket like a little baby boat? And put him down the river because God told her that's what you need to do. And she prayed and hoped and trusted God would take care of her child. How would you, mom, like to take your brand new baby, put him in a boat in, a, in the river and send him down the Nile? And say, I'm trusting God with that child. Hallelujah. Only to end up raising him later. Amen. See, that's trust in God. That's, that's another boat story. Another boat story, of course, a famous one is Jonah's trip to Tarshish. Tarshish? Tartar. Tartuna. Tarshish, Jonas, he got swallowed by a whale. How many of you seen that guy that just got swallowed by a whale trying to fish for lobster? Yeah, anybody seen that? It just happened. It just happened again. Somebody spent like a day inside the belly of a whale and they rescued him. It just happened again. You think the Bible's lying? Oh, no, no, no. The devil is a liar. He was on a boat. He was on a boat. And all this stuff was happening to the boat. And the men said, somebody on this boat must be cursed because all this stuff is happening to our boat. Jonah finally had enough guts to say, it's me. I got on this boat to run away 
from what God told me to do. He told me to go to Nineveh, right? But I'm, instead, I'm heading to Tarshish, right? I'm, he told me to go to Nineveh. So if you want stuff to stop happening to your boat, throw me over the board. Throw me off the boat. So they threw him overboard, threw him off the boat. Immediately, their boat was fine. He got swallowed by the belly of the whale. The whale spit him out. On he went to Nineveh, and the whole city got saved. How about James and John? Jesus walks up to them. They're fishing. He says, drop your nets, drop your lines, leave your boat, come follow me. The boat was their primary way to make money. It was the primary source of income. It was their job, their occupation. Jesus said, leave it. Come follow me. How about Jesus calming the storm while he's asleep in the end of the boat? His disciples are panicking. They're freaking out. They're like, hey, don't you care? We're going to die. And he's like, oh, man, why did y'all wake me up? You know, you're never more like Jesus except when you nap. Okay, just saying. He was asleep in the middle of the storm. They wake him up. He says, storm, be still. The storm stops. He says, y'all are morons. He gets back and goes to sleep. That was it. Another boat story. How about the one where Jesus walks on the water, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. How about the fact that Paul traveled by boat all the time and then he got shipwrecked and shipwrecked. And every time he was on a boat, it felt like he was going to die. Bless you. And then what about the fact when Jesus came back and they were fishing and fishing and fishing. They couldn't find anything. And Jesus said, throw your nets on the other side. And they pulled the nets in and then they pulled them out. And then all of a sudden their boat got overwhelmed with fish. Because Jesus gave some instruction. You can go on and on. There's lots of boat rides. But there is none more epic of a story of a boat than when Jesus asked Peter to step out of the boat and walk on water with him. Are you ready? Matthew 14, 22. This is the story of Jesus walking on water. It says this, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was long away from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against it. And the fourth watch of the night, everybody say fourth watch. He came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Come on, high five your neighbor and tell him, do not be afraid. Come on, tell him again. Say, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you. Command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and hold of him saying, 
and took hold of him saying, oh, you, oh man, I missed it. Where is it? So Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. So I have one question this morning. This really deep question. Why in the world would Peter tell Jesus to call him out onto the water too? Why would he do that? See, there's some layers to this. Peter always wanted to do what Jesus did. He always did. He always tried. He always wanted to do what Jesus did. And in essence, Jesus was like Peter's spiritual father. You see, you have earthly fathers, yes. But then the Bible talks about spiritual fathers. I have a few spiritual fathers in my life that I love dearly, that have spoken into my life. There's a man named Warren Beamer, who was my youth pastor, San Antonio, that I kid you not, if it hadn't been for that guy, I would have never stepped foot in church as a teenager. And I still honor him as a spiritual father in my life. There's a man in San Antonio who's preached here before. His name is Richard Robles, great man of God. He's been in ministry 30 years and chooses to pour into me. And then, of course, Pastor Henry, who you saw preach last week, a spiritual father of mine. I've known them my whole life. Miss Henry was my first grade teacher. These are men and women who have been a spiritual influence in my life. And the Bible says that you have many teachers, but you don't have many fathers. And so Jesus, in this moment, it's almost like Peter recognizes finally that that's my father. That's my spiritual father. And in that moment, he needed permission. He wasn't going to do something that he didn't have permission to do. Remember what Jesus said all the time. I only do what I see my father do. And so Peter learned that principle and said, I'm only going to do what I see my father do. And he's out there walking on water. I want to do that too. And so he calls out and says, Lord, if you want me to come, just tell me. I want to share with you on what a father does. It'll be up on the screen for you. What does a father do? A father freely gives what cost him everything to receive. That's what a father does. That's the definition of a father. And someone could not be your biological father and still be able to father you if they're willing to freely give to you what cost them everything to get. That's what a father's love is. So for all you men in the house that are fathers today or fathers to be, I want you to know 
that the best way you can show that you are a father to your children is to freely give to them everything that costs you everything to get. And that's not just money, guys. It literally cost Jesus everything to come to earth to be a spiritual father to Peter. He gave up heaven to come do that. This is what fathers do. They put their children's interest first before their own. If you've had a good dad growing up, you know what that is like. I had a good dad growing up. But there are many in this room that did not have a good dad. There might be many in this room that didn't have a dad, period. Or maybe you've lost your father. He's passed away. Whatever the case may be, you are not an orphan. You have a heavenly father that loves you like this. You have a heavenly father that is still there for you. If he could be there for Peter, he will be there for you. It doesn't matter what you've lost. God still is able to fill in those gaps. So Peter wanted to do what he saw his spiritual father doing. Worship team, y'all come back up. Yeah. Y'all ready? Y'all ain't ready. I'm going to test this out. Hello. I'm a little, is there a weight limit on this thing? Mr. Mark, is it okay? So I got a question. Just had to. How does any of that apply to you fathers today? You see, it's easy as men, we talked about it earlier, as providers, it's easy for us to get caught up in the money side of things. And sometimes we feel like our legacy is to leave money for our children. And yes, you should do that. That is a good thing. But that is not leaving a true legacy. A father's legacy is not how much money he leaves his children. It's not how well known his name is in the, in the city. That's not the epitome of legacy. It's making sure that your kids have a faith they can lean on. A father's legacy is the faith he passes down. It's the strength that he gains from time spent with the Lord. Because when a father knows how to spend time with the father, he knows how to be a good father. So I want to encourage you this morning, dads, that you may be working your butt off to try and Give your kids the best of everything, but that means nothing if you don't get the best of everything. See, that's the kind of thing you can pass down. That's the kind of thing that you can give to your children. So I have a question. Why am I standing in this boat? Well, it's very simple. 
See, this boat represents a lot. You know what's in this boat? Big Mexican. You know what's in this boat? This is where your occupation lives. Talking to you men, you fathers. You know what's in this boat? This is where your giftings live. This is where your skill sets live. This is where your ministry lives. Right? This is where our ambitions live. Okay? Our careers. This is, this is where they live. Our professions, our salaries, they're here in this boat. Our safety is here in this boat. But around the boat is water. And it just happens to be our carpet is blue, so it's perfect. God knew what he was doing. So imagine with me, this carpet represents the water, but what is the water? But without the boat, the water can be dangerous, right? Without the boat, we don't feel safe. Has anybody ever gone overboard? It's not a good feeling. You don't feel right. But the water in this story represents something completely different. Because remember, what we see in the natural is not how God portrays it in the spiritual. So we see the water, man, Peter, that is dangerous. Why would you tell Jesus to tell you to come and do what he's doing? That is crazy. Why are you going to tell him to come? But the water represents dependency on the Holy Spirit. The water represents your faith in action. Because it required a lot of faith for Peter to even utter the words, call me, call me. The water represents trust. Because you lose control. When you step out the boat, you, you lose control. The water represents true risk-taking. True adventure. Come on. True. Hardwired. Trust in God. When you're too afraid to step out of the boat, it means you haven't leaned enough on the Holy Spirit yet. When you're too afraid to step out of the boat, it means you haven't uttered the words yet. But the moment that you're not afraid anymore, the moment that you're finally going to say, I trust God no matter what, you start to say things like, Jesus, call me. Ah, Jesus, call me. I don't care anymore what you do with me. I don't care where you put me. I don't care what you ask me to do. I'm willing to do anything. Just, just call me. I want to be more like you. When you want to be more like Christ, you say stuff like that. You start saying, call me. See, in Matthew 20, uh, 14, 28, he said, And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to you on the water. And Jesus said one word. One word. He said, come. 
You see, Jesus doesn't even have to give you a whole sermon, a whole dissertation. When you start talking to him, he will give you one word, come. All he needed was your yes. All he needed was your participation in the adventure. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Now, understand this. The boat wasn't like this still. <laughs> no, 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 no. This was a storm. The waves were going like this, up and down. Anybody ever been on a boat in a storm? Oh, my goodness. It's not fun. I've been on a boat when it was just a small storm that water changes Peter did not wait till things were calm to say tell me to come no 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 no. Peter said hey listen either I'm gonna die in this boat or I'm gonna die on that water but I'm gonna die trying to get to my Savior you see what you don't understand is sometimes you hold yourself back from that next level in your spiritual walk with God because you're so worried about your boat sinking step out of the boat get out of the boat here is where everything natural and safe is there is where Jesus is and sometimes life is doing this and it's doing this and it does this again and it keeps doing this and it goes up and it goes down and the wind and the waves and I don't even see him but I hear him okay he's there wait he's gone where is he Jesus hasn't moved but the circumstances have okay and stuff is changing all around you but if you stay in the boat you'll never experience freedom Hear this, God will always tell you to come, but you have to take the first step. You have to make the first move. You wanna be a, a great father, guys? You wanna be a great dad? <laughs> you wanna be a great husband, a great man of God, right? Then you need to get out of your boat. Don't. Don't settle for what's safe all the time. And I'm not talking about just physical. I'm talking about the spiritual. Be willing to go after God. Be willing to seek Him. Be willing to go to Him in prayer every single day and say, Lord, tell me to come. Tell me to come. Be willing to get out of your boat spiritually. Some of you are in the boat called church. And you're safe because you're in the boat well at least I'm in the boat you should pat me on the back for being in the boat right like oh yeah see I'm, I might even be the captain but that means little when Jesus is out there saying come on come on I challenge you fathers this morning you want to be a great dad, you want to be a great husband, a great man of God, step out of the boat. Don't let the physical interfere with the spiritual. There is no barrier 
between you and God's love. There is no barrier between you and God's presence. I want to do something if all the dads could just come down to the front. I want to pray a blessing. Fatherhood is not easy. Fatherhood is hard at times. It's challenging, it's rough, it's painful. There's a weight on these men's shoulders sometimes that is hard to carry. You have the weight of the world on you at times, it seems. You feel like you have to do it, like it's up to you, like without you, there's no way it can get done. And I'm telling you this morning, men, I want to bless you this morning, men. The day I got free from that mentality was the day I stepped out of the boat and said, God, I'm going to trust you with everything. I'm going to trust you with my kids. I'm going to trust you with my wife. I'm going to trust you with my life, with my church, with my family, with everything. I am, none of this is mine. It's all his right? Your life is not your own. And I want you to lift your hands, dads. Come on, lift your hands. Receive from the Lord this morning. Receive from the Lord this morning. Father, I pray blessing over them in Jesus' name. I pray that you bless them the way you bless me. I pray that you begin to give them a relationship that's stronger than they've ever had before. I pray that their heart begins to burn for time with you. I pray that their desire, come on, get in here, Josh, lift your hands, brother. I pray that their time with you becomes special to them. I pray that their time with you becomes the thing they look forward to every single day. I pray that you make them better men, better fathers, better husbands, better leaders in Jesus' name. I pray right now that your presence just begins to overwhelm them in every area of their life, that they would not dare to go to work without you, that they would not dare to leave the house without you, that they would not dare to do anything without your presence. Lord, I pray right now that every issue in the family is surrendered to the trust of Jesus. Every child issue, if there's a struggle with your children, surrender it to the Lord right now. He is in control. You are not in control. Give it to the Lord this morning. Free yourself from that burden this morning. It is not you. For the battle is not yours. It is the Lord, he says. The battle is not yours. It is the Lord. There are unresolved family issues. There are unresolved marital issues. I declare freedom in Jesus' name. You do not have to carry that weight. Surrender. Step out of the boat this morning. Step out of the boat this morning and say, Lord, I give it to you. Father, we thank you for that this morning. We thank you for that this morning. We pray your presence into their life this morning. In Jesus' name, a fresh hunger. A fresh hunger for you. Now just take a moment. Just receive that. Just receive that. Just stay there. Just receive that.
despite failure, despite your mistakes, you're still a father. Despite any wrong that may have been done, any issues that may be going on, you're still dad. You can still love like that. You can still love like that. You can still show your children that kind of love. Despite what the relationship might be like right now, you are still a father to those kids. You, you might say, I haven't talked to them in years. It's okay. Step out of the boat. Don't try and fix it. Because it's another thing we like to do. We're fixers. We just want to fix everything. Don't try to fix it. Just give them a call. Say, I just want you to know I love you. Don't expect anything in return. In fact, just show them love because what you really need to do is fixate your eyes on the Lord. When you do that and you receive the true love of the Father, you're able to give the true love like a Father. Let's all stand this morning. Let's worship. Can we do that? Thank you for joining us this week. Our vision is to plant churches that are life-changing. If you would like to support our ministry, you can easily do so by visiting our website, PursuitCC.com. Also, follow us on all social media outlets by using at PursuitCC. Thank you and God bless.